Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So you will remember if you were here, spoke a little bit about uh, the vision of the church and it was, it was kind of a, a little bit in, just information sharing um, with you about what we are trying to do as a church and we produced a little leaflet um, called our Beacon Vision Cycle which you can get on the welcome desk and if you haven't got one at least just have a read of it even if you don't want to take it home just at least take it have a read so you kind of understand a little bit about where we think we're going and the kind of vision that we have as a church a lot of that came out of um, I suppose my sabbatical, some changes that we, we are making uh, through that, Phil becoming more involved, um, particularly from September, taking on more responsibility in the church, um, us uh, beginning to look at um, kind of an apostolic relationship. And this week I met up with Steve Oliver. You remember I talked about him last week who oversees and leads one of the, the New Frontiers regions in this country. And uh, we just met up, and I think next term he'll probably come and speak here at some point. So we're just looking into that. We're looking into a change of things. And we also just looked again at our vision and tried to bring a little bit more clarity to it. Our mission really is to build the church, to glorify Jesus, and to serve the community. And building the church, which is what I'm going to talk about today, is about um, being called to build something. And I think that is quite significant for us we're being called to build something to glorify Jesus is about us being growing in maturity in our faith um, and maturity in our witness and going deeper and then serving the community is about reaching out to those who are outside of us and we do that in many many and varied ways but one of the ways that we aim to do that is to build something that draws people not not purely through the physical attraction of the building or or oh isn't the worship great I go to that church but because God has done something such in our lives that people are drawn to us and that's a very biblical way of seeking to build so then this week, during my just, just praying and spending time with the Lord this week, I was drawn to the book of Haggai, which is the book that I'm going to speak out of this morning. I don't know how many, how many of you have ever read Haggai? Yeah, how many of you have read Haggai more than once? Yeah, so a few of us, yeah, that's because I imagine for those of us who've read it more than once, it's because it comes down on a cycle where we're reading the Bible maybe every year or whatever, and so you've read Haggai. So Haggai is a book in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. He, if you like, he was a contemporary of another minor prophet called Zechariah, and they existed at the time when the people of Israel, who had been taken into Babylon as, um, if you like, as punishment for their sins, they'd gone into captivity, they had come back to Jerusalem and originally they'd come back and they had tried to rebuild the temple that's what they'd done they'd all come back through that you can read all that through the book of Ezra they were trying to rebuild the temple and they did that for a while and they got opposition and because of that opposition uh, they kind of stopped 
after building the foundations. So they got as far as the foundations, then they didn't carry on beyond that because of the opposition. So Haggai is written some 16 years after that happened. So they've come back, they've not been able to do really what they wanted to do, and then God calls Haggai and Zechariah to speak into it. Now it's interesting because really, if you think about that context of a people that came back and didn't quite achieve what they planned to achieve, this people are quite weary. They're quite disappointed They're quite discouraged. They're living with this thing hanging over them that they never managed to build the wall. They never managed to build the temple. They only got as far as the foundations and they were never able to complete it. It's a weary people. They were weary because of that, but probably they're also weary because they remembered back to the fact that God had promised this was to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the promised land. It was the land where they were going to exist and live and work and be. And at the moment, the temple of God, which they knew was significant, central to their land, was in ruins. There's a foundation, but there's nothing else. It's really interesting that often when the people of God are in that kind of place where they're a bit disappointed, they're a bit discouraged, they're a little bit weary, God sends a prophet. And he speaks to them. He reminds them of stuff. He doesn't let them off the hook, but actually he also encourages them. And the story of Haggai is really a story of that. So I'm just going to read a few verses from Haggai chapter 1. I just have to do some little changes around the iPad to get it up um, because I didn't manage to put it all in the same document. Forgive me for that. Okay, so Haggai chapter 1, it says this. In the second year of King Darius, he was the king actually of Persia, and he, was, he had conquered Babylon, he was over, over the Israelites, and he had allowed them to go back. So they'd gone back, or in fact the king before him had allowed them to go back to rebuild Israel. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say... The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. That's what they were saying. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you to yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but have never, never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. Then verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, Joshua And the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord, 
So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, Judah, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Father, we pray for your presence and we pray for your Holy Spirit uh, that you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So Haggai comes with this message and he comes with a message, as I said, to a people that have been discouraged and as a result of that discouragement, I would say that they had muddled priorities. They were muddled about the things that they should have been clear about um, because of the discouragement of the past. That though the foundations had been laid, the rest of the work hadn't been done, the land flowing with milk and honey wasn't there. They were wearied. They were muddled in terms of their focus. And you can imagine that. I don't know what you're like, but sometimes if I'm doing something that's difficult, if I'm in a difficult situation or working on something that's difficult, like decorating, which I don't like, find it difficult, it's very easy for me to get distracted and do something else. Yeah, I can be doing decorating and I think, oh, what's that on my phone? I just wonder over here. Or I can be decorating, oh, there's some sport on the telly. Very, very easy because it's difficult. If I'm discouraged by something, if I find something difficult and I don't know, I don't quite know what to do about it, often we want to get out of that kind of situation. So in some ways, it's a very understandable response for the people. To to refocus from building the temple of God, which was difficult, they had opposition on it, to then building their own houses. It's a kind of understandable response. It's an understandable change of approach. But that didn't make it right. It was understandable, but that in itself didn't make it right. And it's interesting that God comes to them and that he he says this, or he says this, some of you say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. So it was almost like among the people, the view had gone around that this isn't the time for building the house of God. When that time comes, we'll know, but this isn't the time. This is the time for doing something else. Now, if that's how you think, you're not even going to think that you're doing a wrong thing. You're just going to think, well, now's not the time for building the house of God. When God wants us to build his house, he'll make it clear. And actually, through Haggai, he begins to make it very clear. And he tells them, now is the time to build the house. In fact, he says, the whole reason things aren't working out for you in the way that you would like them to is because you haven't done that. So he speaks to them about building the house. And it's really interesting. His words are these. Build the house, go and get the wood. Build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured. First things first, God called them to build his house. That was the first thing. And they were building his house for God, not for them. They were building it for him, not for them. He he says that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured. It wasn't about them. Which is interesting because so often for us, uh, probably for them as well, but definitely for us, we like to understand what are we going to get out of doing something. 
If I do that, what, what, what am I going to get out of that? I was, I was asked a question the other day. It stumped me a bit. So what's the church going to get out of that? And I hadn't really thought about that kind of question. But we often think, well, if I do something, what am I going to get out of it? Because here, it simply tells them, build the house so that God may take pleasure and be honoured. And then, in that first part, the people obey the voice of God. And it's interesting, again, they obey the voice of God. And then he makes the promise, I will be with you. Once they're challenged, the people respond because their hearts are open and they do what God asks of them. And as a result, he promises to be with them in the work. So that's the first chapter of Haggai. There's there's this thing about the house hasn't been built. The foundations are laid. The people are discouraged because of the past. As a result of their discouragement, they get distracted to build their own thing. And God then says to them, no, 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 you need to build the house. First things first, get your priorities right. Get the muddle out of your head and do the right thing first. That's kind of what he's saying to them. Then Haggai brings another message to the people. Let me just find this. He brings a second message to the people. On the 21st day of the seventh month, so it's about a month and a half later, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, speak to Zerubbabel, uh, speak to Joshua, speak to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, you people of the land. And work, for I am with you. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. And in this place I will grant peace. So God initially addresses their discouragement because of the past. He addresses their discouragement and say, look, get the priorities right. Secondly, he addresses their muddled perspective. They had a muddled perspective. What they thought about was, and and that muddled perspective led them to be disappointed. So they go from being discouraged, but they are also disappointed. Why are they disappointed? They knew what the former house looked like. That was Solomon's temple. And Solomon's temple was magnificent. You, if you've ever read anything in, in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7, it talks about the building of Solomon's temple. It took, six, it took seven years to build. It was completely internally and externally covered in gold. It was a massive building. This was the place. 
This was where the people were going to worship God. It was in a magnificent building. It wasn't like a, I remember our first flat, it was very small and pokey. That was not Solomon's temple. Yeah, we had a very small and pokey flat and friends of ours had big houses. Solomon's temple was, was massive. So when the people saw this temple, Solomon's temple had been destroyed and they saw the foundations and it was kind of being built but there wasn't much to it, they were disappointed. They were like, really? Is this it? Is this really what, what God is building? I remember Solomon's temple. We heard all the stories about Solomon's temple where people came from all over the world to, to, to witness it, to see it. And now we are here with a building that hardly seems to stand up. There was this comparison. They got muddled, actually, because God says in this passage, the glory of the latter house was, was going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Now, if you are simply looking at the physical temple, you must, you must think to yourself, that's not true, that can't be true, because this temple, even in its current state, doesn't look like it's even going to become that. It's not even going to become that. How on earth can the glory of the latter place, the present place, be greater than the glory of the former place? Where they got muddled was this. When God was speaking about the glory of the latter house, he was not speaking about a physical building. He was not speaking about one day I'm going to build another building which is going to be even bigger than Solomon's building. He was talking about a spiritual house. He was talking about a place where his presence would dwell, his peace would be. It wasn't about the size of the building or the amount of gold that was on the building. That was the former thing. Now, it's interesting about that form. And so, and, and so often, we ourselves can get discouraged. We can get disappointed by what we see. We look at the church and we go, oh, it's quite hard work. It's not very big. I have to, I have to do multiple serving rotors. Yeah? I'm serving almost every other week. And then the, I'm off and then I'm serving for three weeks. We kind of think like that. And it's, oh, it's just hard work. What's going on? The truth is, up to this point, Beacon has been a just enough church. Now, actually, there's something quite supernatural about that, but it's been a just enough church. And I remember talking to Ben, Ben Arnold, just about our finance, and he's always said to me, always, almost from the very beginning, with Beacon, we, just, we always have just enough. One person stops, another person starts. One person stops, another person. And one person lowers their giving, someone increases their giving. It's always been that way. From the very beginning. The rotors just get filled. You speak to Jen. She doesn't have flowing, she doesn't have a waiting list of people for the rotor. Yeah? How many of you are on the on the rotor waiting list? No one. How many of you are on multiple rotors? Many of us. Yeah? You're not just on one rotor, you're on you're on every you sit you feel like you're on every rotor. I'm always doing something, and if I'm not doing that, I'm doing this. It can seem a struggle. The rotors just get filled. Maybe for many of us, we have been in bigger and more successful and bountiful places. To be honest, I have. Yeah? Now, if I'm really honest, the rotors were a struggle then. I promise you. 
We were struggling to fill those rotors as much as we struggled to fill these rotors. But it, it appeared like a big, bountiful place. But when we think about it like that, we miss the point. We are not building a physical house. You must understand that. I sometimes have to tell Pauline, when she's asking me to do more DIY, I say, my love, I'm building something, but it's not a physical house. Yeah? Now, now, in her mind, that's an excuse. But for me, it's not a physical house. We are building a spiritual house. When Solomon built the temple, you can read about it. It was really this really elaborate building and and it talks about the cubits and it talks about the, the cedar wood and it was overlaid with this and that and you can read it. And then, and then it talks about all the furnishings of the temple. And then it talks about, it talks about the ark. And it, this is what it says about the ark. So it has this massive building. It's really elaborate. It takes seven years to build. And this is what it houses. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it. So they had built this huge building. Remember... Solomon did this for God. He didn't do this for himself. He built this huge building with elaborate, uh, elaborate decorative stuff in order that they could put the ark, which had in the tablets. But what did the ark represent? It represented the presence. All of that was to represent the presence. That's why they did it. They did it for the presence of God. So he spent seven years building a building to represent the presence. And yet under the new covenant, that was the old covenant. That was the covenant of the law. That's why the tablets were in there. They were to be honoured, they were to be kept. But actually, there was a new covenant. And that new covenant was to be different. It wasn't about, it wasn't about an ark. It wasn't about a law. It wasn't about building a temple. It wasn't about having a place for the presence that you spent years and years building. Under the new covenant, we become like living stones being built into a spiritual house. The Bible says that our bodies have become the temple. Your body and my body have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The very thing Moses was, the very thing Solomon was trying to represent here is now in here. It's quite amazing, which is why how we live matters yeah? which is why the way you are matters, because you have the very thing, if, if they represented holiness in such a, such a magnificent way, that very same holiness that they represented there lives in you, if you are a believer. The temple is now in us. The Spirit of God is now with us. And it says in 1 Peter, we are like living stones. So it's no longer Solomon building brick upon brick and stone upon stone. We become the living stones being built, it says, into a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. 
So again, if you read about Solomon, what you'll read about is the priests and all the elaborate things they did to make the sacrifices in order to get the people forgiven of their sins. We become the priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.